0: Well, we're playing with dogs. Hello, doggies. Hello. (laughs) Hello. It's Monty here. This episode of On Farm is bound to be a good one because it has a terrier in it. You're a cracker. You are a little cracker. Hey. I met the terrier and its little friend in the home of farmer and best-selling crime writer James Oswald. This is the second of two episodes with James. So do go back and listen to last week's for the full story and picture. Yeah, cold now. In this episode we're getting the tour of James's home and farm, and a bit later we'll be outside and visiting some Highland cattle. But first, and I was really excited about this, we got the chance to nosy around James's study, where the writing magic happens.
1: But this is yeah, so up, upstairs. This, this is what, I think what the Americans would
0: call a man cave. A man cave. Ah. Oh my. Which is...
1: Well I put my desk at that end because if it was at this end I'd never do any writing. I'd just be looking at that view the whole time.
0: Yeah. And this is where it happens In. Yeah. This is me working on
1: book 13 at the moment. So, uh, I'm, I'm actually impressed
0: by you. Your, 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 your bookshelf as well, well as I would be of course.
1: That, so is one that of the great things about
0: being a published author or certainly being a, a best-selling
1: published author is you get sent an awful lot of proofs yeah. um, but one of the downsides of being an author writing two books a year and running a for- farm is you don't have a lot of time <laughs> to read so I've got a lot of books here which I haven't had time to read.
0: All the rankings Not quite No, quite a lot of. Quite a lot of the rankings. Um, I
1: haven't read the latest one yet. Stuart McBride's. A lot of of Stuart McBride's. Stuart's great at, um, I got doubled up because my mum had quite a lot of these as well.
0: Right.
1: He's quite good at at doodling in them as well. Um. Where are your ones? Mine are all on the bookcase there. These are all all different editions behind here uh, just move that out of the way slightly
0: you know i, I just it, seeing this it makes me appreciate it makes me realize again how much how much a fan of a book i am as opposed to any kindles or tablets or whatever you know i, I just think that's i have a single
1: and and i do use it uh-huh. quite often i get sent proofs electronically but um i much prefer a book something you mm. can hold mm. That's not quite everything, because I don't have all of my um,
0: foreign editions, but that's, that's most of them. Wow. I, I know you can't, I know you obviously can't see this, listeners, it's just quite cool to see. We're talking about these books, we're talking about the stories behind them, we're talking about how James went from farming to writing these books, it's just quite cool to see them. That's quite special. That's how I,
1: I always approach my my, my writing as a problem-solving exercise. I come up with an idea, something happens. How does that happen? That background in noise is, is in the, the dog, dog chewing on a bone,
0: yeah. um,
1: which they they always do when they when new people come. They they'll they'll sit on the bed nearby and just noisily oh, chew you're a bone. We're
0: in a crime writer's den, and there's a dog chewing on a bone. I hope it's just an innocent who's, dog bone. Whose bone is it? Uh, <laughs> oh, we're we laughing at you. Yeah, we are. We are. <laughs> Come on. hey! Eh? Oh, my friend. Mm? Hello, doggies. Mm-hmm. Yes, my friend. You know, I think, yes, my friend. I think
1: that, that, that pragmatic way of approaching things is, is... That's how farmers deal, because you don't know what the day is going to throw at you. You just have to get on and deal with yeah, it.
0: Yeah, we, we, we were talking about that in one of the pods before. Again, it's like you with the book, which pod it was, but we were talking about that, and it's never we never look at it as problems. It's ch- just challenges. You know, yeah, what challenges. what challenges do we face? But challenges are every day. Yeah. You don't know what and, you're going to face when you go and, outside. And farmers are very good
1: at, because it's all manner of different challenges mm. it might be a broken tractor mm. it might be a cow in the wrong field it might be a prolapse it might be you don't you don't no. know what you have to have a very wide knowledge
0: and um, you, you also have to have a what's the what not, it's not even about patience but it's about tolerance of that's in the wrong field you can't lose your you can't forgive me you can't lose your shit for it you know you just got to deal with it i i quietly quietly go and kick kick a fence
1: or something yeah. but I mean yesterday when I went up the hill to to, 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 to give the, the cows on the back of the hill their hay and some helpful fellow had left a gate open oh. so they were all on the hill rather than on the next field on so I was in the tractor nobody else could hear so I had a jolly good shouting session and then I got out and moved them all back into the field they were meant to be in that's what you do That's yeah, um, what you do um, yeah. I unknowingly can't put a, a lock on that gate because it's a footpath.
0: Shall we have a wanderer So we can have a look at the cows, yeah. Old, yeah, cows and, and, and you talk about tractors. Was that not the, one of the pieces of PR from the early days that the first book paid for a new tractor or something like that? It did indeed, yes. It's now ten years old. <laughs> All right. We need another new one then. <laughs> I think another new book. we the
1: a tractor. He was meant to be my sheepdog. He comes from a, a farm in Wales. Alright. He's half hunterway.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And we thought he was half hunt away, half collie. Uh-huh. But I tried to train him and completely, completely useless. <laughs> no, right, stay there, stay. You stay. Um, we're gonna have a look at some Highland cattle? Yes, if we go up to the to the cattle shed. Yep. They are a commercial fold, technically speaking, but uh, because my time is taken up so much with the books now, I don't have the numbers to make it that... You know, you know, I, I hesitate to say that I'm a hobby farmer because it's quite a big farm for a hobby farm, but uh, they don't really make
0: the money that they should do. But, you know, you obviously must be passionate about them because y- you could easily just say, I'm a best-selling author now, I ain't going to have time for cattle. I don't know, I love to being able to do both because...
1: Oh. Mind your feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, when you're when you're writing and you're you're away in your head and you get stuck on a, on a problem, there's nothing actually better than to come out into the farm, um, go and do something. You could work with the cows, clear some gorse, mend some fences, or whatever, and it it just clears your head. And then when you sit back down at your desk, the problem solved itself. So the two really complement each other well.
0: It's a brain um, clearing exercise. It
1: is indeed. And also, I mean, Highland cattle are just such magnificent beasts yeah, anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're in a cattle court, um, we're, we're, we're in the passageway up the middle of the cattle court, and um, there's some Highlanders off to our left-hand side that we're just going to have a wee look at. Um, and I'll let James say what's in here, but it looks like, is it a bull, James? And That's my bull, yeah. um, that's um, Duke
1: Booyer of for he came from the other side of Dunfermline. Okay and four of his sons he's showing himself yeah. off now yeah. he hears you speaking yeah. about him he's, he's a very friendly chap right. and, I, and the, the, the the steers aren't quite so so friendly no. um, I do try to work with them as you know, some of them have, will, will come up and ask to be scratched or uh, you know, give them a bit of a brush out in the field or whatever but I, I think it's important to work with them as much as possible and, and, and I'll go out and spend you know half an hour an hour with the them every day, and um, we bring them in, bring the bull into the shed just because he would normally be in the field just beyond here. Yeah. Um, but it just gets so wet at this time of year. Yep. Uh, they make a horrible mess of Hello, it. Hello,
0: my friend. Here he comes. Uh, he's a. <laughs> he's showing himself off. He's a good lad. Yeah, yeah. Can you see me through that fringe?
1: I'm always surprised at how well they do see through, through all that hair. The only thing I I always do when I'm approaching them is to is to talk to them before you get anywhere near them because otherwise they're surprised and they turn around in a hurry and then you get that horn in your midrib
0: he's not bothered he's just scratching his backside he's He's having a scratching his backside yeah exactly (laughs) so so obviously yeah the, you're, you're passionate about them and but as you say it's not it's not it's never going to be the the way to make the living but what is the commercial angle to them what do you do, what do well you, it's it's are a you beef, breeding pedigrees where you I,
1: it's, it's it's a i i breed well the, the heifers I, I either keep t- as replacements yep. or, or sell as pedigree heifers yep. for, for breeding we've got some hopefully going off next week the steers they all get um castrated and, and their horns docked and we 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 finished them on-farm, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they go off about 30 months, something between 30 months and a year, uh, three years, which is a long time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, commercial breeds would be going a lot sooner than that and would grow bigger. But um, we, got, we, we sent some off um, at the end of last year, got quite good money for them. I was quite pleased. There doesn't seem to be uh, that much of a premium for Highland beef at them, just occasionally there's, there's, a, there's a call goes around um, we sent some a couple of years back and they all ended up going to I think it was Aldi, We're okay. doing um, pure Highland beef burgers right. and they also did pure Angus beef burgers and pure Hereford beef burgers or whatever, so they were doing the different breeds so the call went out and they were paying a bit extra for, for purebred Highlands.
0: There's, there's definitely a, there's a difference in it, there's, there's a difference in the eating of Highland beef, in in my experience, anyway. I would
1: I would say, and I might be slightly biased here, that it is the best beef. But one of the mistakes that I made, because we, we have done occasionally um, you know, box scheme oh, stuff, oh. and and we had one one slaughtered, and I asked them to hang it for twenty eight days. Okay. Because you know the, the the received wisdom is the longer you hang it, the better it is. But actually, the the guy who was hanging it called us up after three weeks and said come and have a look at it fortunately it was just down the road he said come and have a look because i think we need to butcher this now and because they've got so much fat on them because they're grass-fed mm, all, mm, uh, mm. and slow growing um there was a worry that after another few days the fat was going to start going rancid right um and so we we had them you know, butchered at, at, at uh, the, 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 the stuff cut at, at um 21 days and it was absolutely fine
0: absolutely because it's not just the fact that's kind of on the beef is it is the marbling through as well yeah yeah, right right through through the beef it's a shame that that's you know there's not a way that you could make more of it in a box scheme or whatever (sighs) it might be it's it's just but it's difficult with the the abattoir facilities and what have you
1: it's it's finding places to do i mean we, we we want to do do more of it and our neighbors want to do more more of that but um and that they are looking for places but um it's that you can find a butcher there's a you know there's plenty of butchers around here who, who for you know for a fee will butcher a carcass for you but the abattoirs won't hang them um so you've got to find somewhere to hang a beast a carcass for for three mm, weeks mm. and that's the tricky thing
0: but even even getting an abattoir to kill them even just you know t- well, the, um, abp and perth will do right will do will do private kills okay
1: but they won't, you, you, you know, once it's ready, you've got to come and take the carcass yeah, away. Yeah, and, then, uh, and yeah. And, and it, you know, it, it costs money. Everything mm-hmm. costs mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, if, if yeah, the, these, these four, and there's, there's four more up the hill. We just brought these four down to keep the bull company when, when the other ones went off before Christmas. These four will probably just go to either Scott or abp
0: so he, he's he's done his work with the cows what, back end of last year? and he, Yeah, we, we, we,
1: we put him out through August August through the middle of September, uh-huh. so we
0: should start carving middle of May. Do you try and, I, I don't know, take time off from writing to cover things like that, or do you just have well, to is, go with they, the flow?
1: They, they carve up, up on outdoors uh-huh. um, because we've only got I think well we haven't scanned them yet this yeah. year That's, that'll happen in the next couple of weeks we'll scan them so we'll know how many of them are in calf. Yeah. I suspect at least one of them who went to him last year isn't because I saw a bullying the other day but we'll probably have 14, 14 or 15 in, in, in calf. Um, and I, you can tell if they're just about due yeah, yeah. and I, I'll be going up to that field three or four times a day yeah. but when I'm not up in that field I can be sat on my desk writing yeah um, yeah and what tends to not happen as you can see if you look around the state of this shed is all the little maintenance jobs which take forever you know, to do it doesn't look any
0: different from anyone else's I've, I've because we have
1: a <laughs> we have, have terrible trouble with pigeons in here uh-huh. and i started um putting chicken wire around the beams oh, yeah, yeah. to yeah. stop the pigeons because yeah. they because they just crap in yeah. in the feed yeah, face yeah. and everything yeah. Yeah. um So that's why there's a scaffold tower there. That scaffold tower's been sitting there for about six months (laughs) because I haven't had time to get up there and put the the chicken wire around that one and then get it on to the next one. So that's the thing. And and luckily I've got a good fencing guy and I'm earning enough from the books that I can pay to get fencing done rather than fixing it myself uh, because otherwise it doesn't get done. And the gorse has got out of control a bit because A, we've got fewer sheep now. They used to keep it right down. And, and B, I don't have the time to get out there.
0: Did I, when we were walking past the other shed, did I spy did you, some sort of gorse muncher or did something? Did you see a flail box? Is that what uh, that is? Bonford
1: flail box. Yeah, the head's not on it at the moment. The head's just gone off to be fixed, because it's, um, but it's a remote controlled flail machine, which I've got specifically for doing that.
0: So you um, can stand and just yeah, twiddle it's, the thing. And it is a
1: superb machine when it's working, <laughs> um, and it, but it's what you need because the, the ground is so steep here and the gorse is so thick. Um, that you can't do it with a tractor, if you try to do it with a chainsaw. I, di- I did clear a lot of it, you know, just myself and a chainsaw, uh, but I've killed my arms and my shoulders uh, uh. doing that. And, and, you know, you do that for sort of two months solid and you've cleared maybe an acre. <laughs> so It's hard work. Uh, but the bot's brilliant. Um, but again, then, it's, it's one of these jobs that I can only do when I'm not on a deadline. And when the weather's right...
0: I might have to volunteer to come back up here and have a go with the flail bot. It looks like... I mean, literally, you just... You can just sit, it, sit on the ground and just... Yeah, you, it, yeah. You, you need to be reasonably close.
1: The, uh-huh. the, the problem is... Uh, the reason it's gone off to be to be fixed is because the the flail the drum that's just the tractor part. The flail the flail head that goes on it, uh-huh. the drum's got slightly out of out of balance. Oh, right. So it rattles itself right. apart right. because it's I've hit a rock. Ah, right. And so you need to be reasonably you don't want to be so close that you're gonna get hit by things, no. but no. you need to be close enough to that see you can see what, what it's doing.
0: Ah, right. Um, right, right, right. But uh, it's and it's it's a noisy thing as so well. It's not so. like you can sit writing books and let it go and do that no, the,
1: no. I, that would be that, I think that would be the next thing they'll I mean, have you know, this sort of AI GPS controlled automatic
0: robotic Well, we, 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 we do have that that's as an aside for our listeners the work that we've done with um, soil essentials and the Agbot tractor um, which will do you know it'll, it'll do its job within a given area but I'm not quite sure how it would cope on that slope I think with, that's, a, with that's, a flail and the edge
1: case for, 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 for yeah. robotic yeah. Um, farming. But
0: yeah. I, I mean, I I,
1: I wrote a, a, a novel, a rubbish science fiction novel um, that, that hasn't been published and probably never will be. I'm trying to think, probably about 15, 20 years ago, where there were robots going out doing all the farming work because I could see it coming then. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's definitely, you see the, you know, the guys out ploughing the fields, I think it's not long before they'll...
0: All right, no, it's not. I mean, that, that, literally that tractor that we helped Soil Essentials to demo last year, the Agbot, that is now on the market. They're in, they're, in, they're on the continent. But, you know, one can, yeah. if you placed an order, the one would be brought over here and you could have it on there's your a, farm. There's a lot of work now. going on with the berry picking as well, isn't yeah. there? I think
1: mostly pushed by the fact that they can't get the, exactly. the, the people yeah. in. Yeah. And the problem is once they've cracked the the robots then they won't need the people anymore and that's another another wage gone.
0: It's a shame when people are lost it's a shame when then there's not you know when machinery replacing people in my opinion isn't always a good thing but when there's no people to do the job yeah. Well this
1: farm, but you know, back in the you know, 100 years ago, there would have been 25 men working uh-huh. on this farm. And in, you know, in the winter when there was nothing better to do, they'd send them out with shovels to dig all the drainage ditches, yep. which yep. are now failing and I'm having to dig up <laughs> those. So.
0: It's quite steep, the whole thing. What does it... How, how does it, it...
1: It goes up and then there's a flat bit, and then it goes up and, and then there's another flat that bit. What
0: will be, will that be? and um,
1: 800, something like that? All I've, money? I've... I've, I've no, I'd, I'd have to look it up on a map. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: But in you know it's rising yeah. quite in quite it's, a short distance from the tee up. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. I mean the, the, the top of Norman's Law. It's just shy of three. Is it just shy three hundred meters? Yeah, nine hundred feet, right. some one hundred twenty-three right. feet or something. Um, we're about ninety meters here. Right. Um, so yeah, we're, but, it go, the, but the farm does go up in steps. You look from here, and it looks like. You just get up to that steep bit and then you're in the woods, but actually the bulk of the farm is is a relatively flat bit up between there. the top of the gorse and the right, woods in the distance right, there
0: right, right. and so the other thing we we saw the the, the flail bot in the shed there we're with best selling author James Oswald, so we're not just talking farming, and if you look back to if you listen back to last week's episode, you'll hear us um we we had a good chat about books and and I make no apologies for for continuing on that theme a bit in this week's episode for this chat we've been talking in the main because i'm a fan of of james's tony McLean series is that the way to call it is it tony McLean yep. series yeah tony
1: McLean, inspector yep. McLean, inspector McLean, inspector is...
0: McLean series and um one of the things i noticed in the sh- in the shed here on the farm is is a is a tony mcclain alfa romeo well it's not his it's mine
1: <laughs> <laughs> my my first, first car i ever bought um when i just passed my driving test was a was an alfa romeo um, not because I was a fan then, it was just accidental, it was all I could afford. Uh, then found out that it was gonna cost as much to insure as it did to buy. Unfortunately, uh, my dad helped me out with that. And it was a great car, and I, but I was hooked since then. And I, I always wanted an Alpha Spider, the, 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 the convertible. And I, did fi- I finally managed to buy myself one. Um, it was a, a, an accident-damaged wreck. And I think it was, I bought it in 1991. So we're going a long way back now. Nineteen
0: nineties uh, or thirty
1: years ago? I keep telling myself that. this is something that I, <laughs> I, I, this is something I worked out when I wrote the, la- the last Tony McLean book. I thought I I I'll have something for the cold case unit to work on. That'll have happened thirty years ago. That'll be the nineteen seventies. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> it's the nineteen nineties. It's actually after I graduated from university. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I, I I I had a series of Alfa Romeos, um, and one of them I got this the the the, the two-seater convertible, the Spider, as a wreck in 1990 with the idea that I was going to restore it and drive it around. It took me probably 20 years to get it back on the road. And now it, it sits in the shed. It's got one of these plastic um, car cocoon things to yeah. keep, to, 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 which is blowing air through it just to stop it from rusting and, and whatever. But it, um, it, it never goes anywhere because I don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> I also discovered that what I like most is tinkering with them, right? Okay. You know, okay. Fixing them, taking them apart, putting them back together again. Actually, driving around
0: in them, not so much. Yeah, you've got, you're yeah. a typical farmer with a pickup truck at the back door, I see as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not as much fun. No, um, but it's it's reliable. <laughs> That's <laughs> what to, it needs <laughs> to, to do <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I you know I, I, well again, it was another thing, just a little idiosyncratic thing to do when I was trying to to create a character out of Tony McLean, and I just thought, well, he could, have a, he could have an old Alfa Romeo, why not? Morse had a Jaguar. Like
0: a so, um, here's something that I, I thought I would ask in last week's episode, it never quite worked in, but how much of James Oswald is in Tony McLean? I I'd imagine quite a lot, but then there's quite a lot of all of my characters
1: there in me, because they've all come out of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... When I was first sort of thinking through his character, I, rather than thinking, you know, how would I react in this situation? I would say, well, how would my little brother react in this situation? Or how would my friend Stuart react in this situation? Or, and, and, and try and think about how other people would react. And then he becomes an amalgam of all these people. And then the more you write him, the more you get to know him, the more he becomes his own person. But there are definitely a lot of elements of me in him. I mean, he, famously was sent off to a private school in England at an early age. Well, I was sent off to a private school in England at an early age. Um, and, and it scarred me deeply, and I think it scarred him deeply. So that's me mining my own experience. But he's not me. Um, I, w- I wouldn't mind having some of his money.
0: So... Is
1: he a friend then?
0: Is that, is I, that what he is I, now? I, I think you he know, is, yeah. You know, yeah. him, in the way that you know him and the way you can write about him, is he a friend? I
1: think if I met him in real life, we, we'd get on fine. He might punch me for being rude to his girlfriend, but, uh, <laughs> or mean to his girlfriend, I should say, because she has a hard time in the books. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, he's certainly, he's someone I would want to spend time with, but he, that's, that's how he's meant to be in the books. He's meant to be someone that people like. Mrs. Cypher perhaps a little less so. Mm. And I can vent my frustrations. I was t- telling you earlier about the, the building of the house and how the, the firm that built most of the frame did a really bad job. Um, if you read, I think it's the fifth book, Prayer for the Dead, there's some building contractors in that one. Okay. Um, who turn out to be not very nice people and, and have a, a very sticky end. And there's there's a reason for that, yeah, because I was yeah. falling out with my builders at the time, and it's a very good way to f- vent your frustrations.
0: I hope, James, <laughs> hope your builders are not listening to this, because didn't those builders in that book ram into a cliff on the side of the A9 in a BMW at 100 uh, miles an hour or something, something like that? Something along Is those
1: lines. Yeah. I might have been a little bit annoyed with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that's the great thing, you know, you should to be careful when you're talking to an author because we will put you in a book and kill
0: you. Oh, right, <laughs> right. Producer Dave is nodding. <laughs> I'll I'll be the podcaster in the book. Producer Dave will meet an unsticky end.
1: We'll give this one a sympathetic edit, will we, Monty? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. But that, I mean... That's one side of it, but also you yeah,
1: know when when, when I 'm out and about or doing the shopping or whatever, and i 'm sort of listening to co- listening on snippets of conversation. Uh, I think this is one of the reasons why a lot of authors write in cafes because you can just listen to what other people are saying, not particularly being nosy it's just it 's all grist to the mill yeah. and, and observing how other people behave, and you watch the news and, and, and things, and you see how people react to things, and it all goes in into creating more believable characters. And I I mean, as an author, I think character is king. The plot comes out of character rather than the other way around. So the more realistic you can make your characters, the more compelling you'll make your plot.
0: So here's a question then that that might be, you know, kind of almost running counter to that realism. Tony McLean has got pots of money. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it was family money or something. He's got pots of money, but he persists in the in his job and he persists in being, you know, why, why doesn't he just retire and come, come here and, and, and have some Highland cattle? Well, he had a bit of a run-in with Highland cattle
1: before, though. Yeah. Uh, I think, well, again, it's, it's exploring sides of his character. You, you know from, from, the, from the second book that, you know, the tragedy of his life is that his, his fiance was abducted mm-hmm. and murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what drives him. It's not, he, he's not about the money. It's about solving the crimes and, you know, putting the bad guys away, then it becomes about his obligations to the people around him. And and that's that's kind of what drives him. So he has this very, very strong moral compass. Because he could, yeah, as you say, he could just jack it all in, say, I, I don't need to work. I don't need to deal with this rubbish. I can just go away. But he's not the sort of person who could leave it alone.
0: So did you purposely I, I'm I'm just interested, I'm curious, did you purposely sort of write that in? Was that a deliberate like to keep us interested and to keep it sort of this emphasis on on him being driven, did you keep? Yeah, I, is that why you put this? I kind think of, so, because he was yeah. always going to be the central
1: character. I mean, when I f- wrote the first book, I didn't necessarily have in mind that he was going to come back for another twelve mm, books right. after that and another two under contract. But I I wanted him to be, I wanted to have, to have him as as a rounded a character as possible. And I just thought I looked at the other characters detective characters who were out there and, and, and the various tropes and some of them mm. were getting a bit hackneyed you know mm-hmm. the, the the broken marriage yeah, and the yeah. and the alcohol problem yeah. and all this sort yeah. of stuff and I thought yeah. I kind of pushing away from that yeah. and, I th- and I just thought it would be quite interesting if I made him rich mm. Mm. and I, I guess I mean some of it goes back to also some some of the earlier influences uh, uh, the Agatha Christie and, and 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 that sort of thing um, and those, the old sort of gentleman sleuths of, yeah, yeah. of the 1920s of yeah. yeah. and 30s, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that idea, like Lord Peter Wimsey, for instance, right. who's you know, aristocrat and very wealthy, but still you know, pursues criminals and, and puts himself in, in, in danger. And, and I kind of like that idea. I, I thought that would that would be more interesting, just because it's a bit different from what everybody else was doing. So It's the same, really, with the supernatural stuff. It was different from what everyone else was doing. So how old is Tony now? That I'm
0: not entirely sure,
1: in the same way that I don't really know what he looks like. I suspect he's probably about the same age as me, a little bit younger, maybe his early 50s. He's been been detecting in these books, well, in a published form for 10 years now, so he's not exactly going to be 25. um,
0: Just just on the sort of you know how old is he when does he where where does it go you know where does he go does he come and and farm highland cattle in fife does he what does he do i,
1: I i'm not sure yet as i say i'm writing book 13 at the moment yeah. I, have, I have a contract for three more so there'll be 14 in the book 15 provided i am still breathing um and where he goes from then i'm not sure but uh I don't, I, what I haven't done, which the thing that Ian Rankin did with, with Rebus, which was a book coming out each year, so he was a year older for each book, and it got to the point where he had to retire. Mm. My books aren't; they do come out one well. Initially, they were coming out one every six months, but I didn't. I don't really do that obvious progression right. of time. Um, it'll. I, I, I never say it's this year or it's no. this year, and they're not focused on. Like, um, I can't remember which one it was of, of of Ian Rankin's, but it's focused on the G8 summit and it happened at Glen Eagles. Yeah, so you know yeah. exactly what year yeah, that was yeah. uh, and that places it. Whereas mine, there are a couple of things, like the latest one mentions the new build, new hotel building at the St. James Quarter with the unusual spire um, at the top of it. So you know it must happen after that was built, but I'm not saying it's 2000. Oh. And
0: did I see something on Twitter? Were you being a bit rude about it? I might it? possibly be a little bit rude about it. I yes. do think
1: it is the most extraordinary <laughs> piece of architecture, and I'm not entirely sure that I like it. So Tony doesn't like it Tony either. Tony doesn't <laughs> like it,
0: right. No, that wasn't quite what you... You were a bit more blunt about it and, and on social have, media. I
1: think might, I might have... Um, everybody in Edinburgh that I know calls it the jobby, so uh, <laughs> nobody calls it the walnut whip except for the, the owners. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just uh, uh, the, big, uh, the big tunnel at the bottom of the field that we, 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 had, we used to lamb in that. All oh, right. Um, because this, this shed isn't really suitable for lambing. Uh, and I didn't really fancy it. Um, Romneys are happy to lamb outdoors, but I didn't fancy it myself. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and the, 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 the big polytunnel was, was a, great, um, a great thing. I put a couple of um, CCTV cameras in there. Um, and they're brilliant for lambing because they've got um, infrared. You don't need to um, have a light on in there. You can you can observe them in the dark. The last couple of years, I, I had I had a ca- one camera right in the middle of the, of the thing, and it was a 360. Yep. Uh, it could zoom right into the corner. I mean, you could literally see the lamb coming yep. out, yep. Uh, and, and that was brilliant because you do, We we it was just me and Barbara doing lambing. so. Um, she would do the, morning, the, you know, the early shift and yeah. the day shift, yeah. and I, I'd, I'd, I could sit at my computer, I could be writing until two, three o'clock in the morning, I've got the screen there every 10 minutes or so, just have a quick look around, anything happening, and, uh, and if anything did look like it was happening, oh. I just run on down to the polytunnel.
0: That's, that's real, that, that just illustrates a bit more of what we're talking about and why we're here, because it is a complete diversification. There you are in your office, rattling off best-selling fiction, with one eye on a lambing
1: camera. <laughs> the fu- the fu- funny thing when, when the books first took off, and and um, I, I, I I was interviewed by I think it was the Telegraph. Weirdly, they came up. We were doing the interview. They'd come up in late April, early May. We were still still lambing, and I I did say to them that we might have to abandon yeah. this interview at any minute. And and I had this the screen there, and they were asking me questions about the books, and I was talking about and I was just looking so... Uh, so we're going to have to go down to the shed just now, the, the polytunnel just now. I grabbed on my plastic trousers and ran off down. And, and they followed me down, arriving just in time for me to get the second of the twins out and make sure it, it was all fine and everything. And it was, it was brilliant, because the, 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 the interviewer couldn't have been happier. It was, that, was, that was half of his column written. Yeah, yeah, There's certainly an yeah, the introduction to yeah, his yeah, column written. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But that's it. You know, the, the writing, there are ways to make space for the writing around the farming and as i was saying earlier how one of the problems with writing two books a year and doing the farming is i don't have much time to read but i listen to a lot of audiobooks because if i'm out in the tractor my headphones in
0: all of that you know it just brings it home how farmers you can you can do anything you know diversifying into um, something that's selling your produce or whatever might be the more obvious way to go or diversifying into something that and I, I can't believe you haven't actually takes advantage of this stunning view is you know is, is tourism agritourism in particular is, is another obvious way to go but it doesn't it doesn't have to be about that it doesn't one have to one be of about the that.
1: things that has, has has proved quite popular which I actually I started doing when we had the first lockdown because a lot of my friends online are, you know, living uh, writing people. They live in cities. That stay, and they were stuck in flats or mm-hmm. whatever, and I started taking photos, uh, so taking little videos, short two-minute videos of the cows. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had carving, and I was doing ca- you know, carving and the calves running around and stuff. And they were really, really popular. We would post them up on Twitter, and every so often someone would say, "You, you should do farm tours. You should do farm visits and stuff." And I said. I'm a recluse. The last thing I want is people coming here. <laughs> I, I, I I couldn't do that. It's it's not me. I, I'm a writer and a livestock farmer. We're both, you know, reclusive pastimes.
0: But taking little videos and what have you, and opening up the, it's a different way of opening up the farm and letting people know. You know, you've got this following yeah. through the writing. So being able to do that must be quite well. It
1: is, it is fascinating how. How people, I mean, people do love Highland cows because mm. they're just so they're so photogenic yeah. anyway. Yeah. But i hopefully people are learning. I get I get interesting questions from people about them every so often. People say what happens to them, and I have to say, well, you know, they get turned into burgers, yeah. and then I lose a couple of followers. But it's life. <laughs> that's life, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But I think it's you know it, it it's it's what I do I think it, it is, is interesting and I'd like to share it with people mm. I was worried when I first started doing the videos that I was going to get lynched because obviously I had quite a good lockdown here yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> whereas other people were stuck yeah. in and suddenly realised that the person that they were married to and they'd only saw for you know it, couple of hours a day
0: here comes another plot line <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I, th- I, th- I think most of those most of those pandemic suddenly realizing that you don't like your spouse yeah. plot lines have been done now yeah. but they you know, they're, they're popular so now now the problem is if i forget to do one for a week i start getting complaints where's so, the video where's the
0: video <laughs> i haven't seen any cows recently because i'm trying to write the books that you also love and that pay the bills yeah mm. so We've looked at lots of different diversifications on on-farm, We've um, from comedians, farmers that have diversified into stand-up comedy, to um, vodka. And now we've, we've caught up with James Oswald, best-selling author, and it's been wonderful. And I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you missed last week's, if you would listen back to that too, I've had a fascinating chat with James. Thank you very much. As the podcast presenter and someone who's interested in diversification, it's been fantastic. But as a, as a fan of your, your, certainly your Tony McLean series, Massive fan, it's been wonderful to catch up with you. Well, thank you very much for coming. It's been great fun. I really enjoyed that. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode and last week's as much as I did recording them. Massive thanks again to on-farm sponsor, Gillespie McAndrew, who make this series possible. They're a great bunch to work with and they've even said that they'll help us to get more sponsorship on board. So, if anyone out there wants to know about how you can help On Farm, how you can support us, how you can maybe come on board as a sponsor, please do get in touch. On Farm is made by the team here at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And with that, that's it from me, and bye for now.